0: on this week's Devils in the Details. A special deep dive into each of United's transfer windows since Sir Alex Ferguson retired. What went right, what went wrong, and what United can learn going into this summer's window. case what's up not much Aaron not much how you doing not too bad it's been a fun week Um, and we are busy preparing our season review for you guys but we need another week to get it out and so we're gonna do a little bit of a special episode here something we've been planning for a while we're gonna look back at every single transfer window since Sir Alex Ferguson retired or specifically every single season really Um, and we're gonna talk about what went right and what went wrong I feel like we've been talking a lot about transfers and what United have done and what United are going to do this summer. And I think it might be interesting to look back at past mistakes and see everything that kind of guides our skepticism going into these windows and watching the team develop. Because I think a lot of what we say comes from a place of skepticism after seeing how this team has misaddressed transfers over the years. But it feels unfair to just give unsubstantiative um, unsubstantive criticism of the
1: team um when we could actually go into it and talk about what happened fair warning to everyone listening this will be a, a take heavy episode um because we're going to be trawling through 10 years of uh of transfers and performances in retrospect so uh be prepared I'm sure not everyone's going to agree with everything we say here, but I think that's that's sort of the nature of it, right? Um, how you experience these last 10 years, is, is I think, is, is very different person-to-person person for United fans, specifically because it's been such a bizarre time, and there's been so much upheaval. Uh, I don't think there's a consistent perspective on this across the fan base. I think without further ado, we can get started then. Um, Let's
0: start with the summer of 2013. Sir Alex Ferguson retires, David Moyes comes in, United are Premier League champions. Um, The core of the team is full of aging superstars. Nemanja Vidic and Rio Ferdinand would leave a year later. Um, Paul Scholes and Michael Carrick were playing central midfield. Scholes retired that summer. And the strike partnership of Van Persie and Wayne Rooney was approaching thirty. United needed a lot of reinforcements as a result to get anywhere near the title winning season they had, and they brought in Marouane Fellaini, and then in January they brought in Juan Mata. Um, Adnan Yanezai was also promoted from the youth side. I feel like we can already see why this was not a great start.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think in this instance, we obviously have the benefit of hindsight, but this side was was aging pretty pretty dramatically. It was a very, very old team. And you can say, I mean, one incoming in the summer, uh, that being Fellaini, is not going to... Fellaini was never going to replace Coles. So it was kind of a crazy concept to begin with. Uh, and I think you can blame Moyes for that being the only signing. Uh, like, for Fellaini being the one signing that he did get, not for... Moy's only getting one signing that summer. Uh, the who, rather than the quantity. This is nightmare fuel stuff. But I also think at the time, it probably... Like, if this happened today, we'd all be freaking out. I don't think the fan base was freaking out when this happened. I think it was like, oh, that was not a good window, and we're upset. This was not enough. But uh, this would be like a catastrophe if it happened today. Which I think is sort of an interesting thing to to keep in mind, because it kind of shows you... We look back at the Moyes season as a disaster, and I don't think most many people think Moyes deserved more time. But if Moyes got the same transfer support, uh, if if a, if a subsequent manager got the same transfer support that Moyes did, I think it's, I think most people would feel they were, that that manager was hard done by. If this had happened to Mourinho or LVG, I think a lot of people would be like, why did he only get nine months and one summer transfer? <laughs> like, it's kind of crazy to think about, in again, with, with the benefit of hindsight.
0: Yeah, you said a lot there that's really interesting. I think the first being of Moyes. I know this is, like, a little bit off stream, but Moyes is a really interesting coach. And, I mean, we've just seen him win the Conference League, which is great. Um, but he's a really interesting coach in that I do think he has some modern ideas, but none of them really involve building out of the back, Or playing in a high press, which for regular listeners, you know, that's the stuff we talk about every week with most of these modern coaches. And so, I mean, Ferguson didn't really explicitly do that stuff either to the same degree as someone like a pep. Like he's definitely a coach of a past era Um, and you're transitioning into a new era here. And I think the, the coaching appointment was definitely a miss tactically, but I don't think Moyes was like useless and clueless. Like he looked in this year at United. Um, I think he's a good coach. And yeah, it just felt like he just didn't have the team he needed to even do what he is good at doing, um, which meant that this team didn't succeed. Um, As for Fellaini, I actually don't hate Fellaini as a signing. I think this was kind of like a derided move by many fans, but I think Fellaini is a good player and very effective at what he does. Frankly, I think he's the best player ever at what he did, um, which was take down long balls and make things super difficult.
1: Yeah i I don't have any dissent there as as for Fellaini. I think if Fellaini were currently with United, I don't think like let's like you know twenty fourteen Fellaini, prime Fellaini. I I think Fellaini probably would be a, a pretty big part of this team, especially this year where we were having so much trouble playing through pressure. I think it is very likely he would have gotten a lot of minutes in advance midfield, uh, which is what happened with LVG. Uh, I, <laughs> ironically, you know. Well, he is was, an advanced midfielder. Yeah, but, but, but I mean beyond that, specifically because he, he was a pressure outlet, right? Um, and I think a lot of people viewed him as sort of a, a blunt instrument and a second, uh, you know, a second, resor- a last resort, uh, a, se- a plan B. But I think there was a... there is a way to incorporate him into a modern side where he's a plan A and your, your side is relatively effective. That doesn't mean I think Fellaini would be in a title-winning team, but I think this year's United would actually be in a lot better shape if they had had Fellaini, which is sort of a funny thing because I was glad when he left, and I, I didn't like... <laughs> I didn't enjoy the matches where we were relying on him heavily, but that's partially because I think he wasn't leveraged... Um, Appropriately in an otherwise functional context, right? He was used as a crutch, which I don't think should you should. I don't think you should have any crutches, really. Uh, ideally, especially when you're trying to compete for titles.
0: All right, eight minutes deep, and we both rate <laughs> Um <laughs> I I I will say this, right? The part that does worry me is that, I, and I think you still see symptoms of this now with Moyes' managerial career. Is that I don't think he knows. How he would build a high budget midfield, yeah. Um, and so you saw United looking at these targets like Cruz and Thiago, and then end up with Fellaini as the backup option. And you even saw United pay extra for Fellaini because they didn't get him before that clause date. Um, there was a whole thing that summer about how United could have gotten Fellaini for like five million cheaper, I think it was, if they had paid the fee three weeks but three weeks prior. But they waited and then ended up paying more for him. Um, and I think the, the fundamental idea of signing Fellaini is not horrible, but the idea of replacing Thiago or Kroos with Fellaini is obviously ridiculous. Um, and I think you see that with West Ham too now, like he, now that Moyes is starting to get these possession heavy or, or more resources into his midfield, it's a little bit harder for him to construct something that works within his game model because the players are above what the limitations of his game model are. Um, like he was running Rice and Sochak and doing great. And now he's got players like Lucas Paqueta and it's just not really working.
1: Uh um, I think the way did you see the interview with Mikhail Antonio this past week? Where he talked about Skamaka. Yes. Yeah. So alright. Not sure that would that was a an entirely wise move from him, but very interesting what he said, which is for those of you who haven't seen this this clip, it's Antonio saying, Skimaka's a great player. You can tell in training that he's Super technical, very talented, but he just does not fit what Moyes wants from his center forwards. Because if you play in a Moyes side, you you have to fight for scraps. You have to just you have to be rough and be okay with not having the involvement in the game that you want to have, not having dialogue with the midfield and and link up play, which is sort of I think what Antonio was implying is, is it what Skamaka's whole game is about. You have to be more willing to just run the channels, dog it in 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 physical battles with center backs, which I think, obviously West Ham have, have had some success doing that uh, in the past under Moyes, and, and they won a, a major trophy this year. Congratulations to them. It's very cool. But are you ever going to win a Premier League title playing like that? I think it's very unlikely, uh, to your I point. I mean, West Ham don't need to. No. But then don't sign Skamaka. Yeah. I, but I think the other thing
0: is, like, Mikhail Antonio is so good. Anyone who follows me off this knows I rave about everything he does, but he is just complete. Like he does, he runs the channels. He carries the ball down the wings. He dribbles players. He holds up the ball. His goal scoring movement is amazing. Like he's, if he was 25, he would be like a big market striker. He was 25 um, and he could finish. <laughs> yeah, that too, I guess. But like Skamaka is a good player, but he's not that right. And I think if you need your striker to do everything, that's that's a coaching problem, not a player problem. Because um, there are no strikers who do everything. So if you're building your model based on players who don't exist, then what are we doing here, right? So, yeah, I, I think that's enough on that note. But on Moyes, um, I, I United missed out on the midfielder they needed this summer. I think with the midfielder, they could have been a lot better in this season um they obviously went on to finish seventh which is the lowest post ferguson finish actually the lowest finish in the premier league era i'm pretty sure um and it is i don't know i don't i don't think it had to be that bad if the transfer activity was a little bit better here even with Moyes. i agree um the only remediation being bringing in Juan Mata in January, which I think is a good signing. Um, I don't think it panned out the way it should have over the years, but I think it's a good signing.
1: Yeah, I think Mata was an incredible player. Um, I I don't think he was what a lot of the managers who he worked with <laughs> thought he was. Um, at United. At United. I, I don't really get how he fits into what Moyes was trying to do, to be honest with you. But yeah, you're gonna see during this podcast. We're gonna talk a lot about two things: profile identification, uh, which you know Fellaini is a great example of. How did you go from Tiago to Fellaini in your transfer priorities? It's a problem with you know consistent profile identification. The second theme you're gonna see is we're going to talk about whether these windows brought in the raw quality required for United to be as good as they need to be. And I think Mata is a great example of bringing in raw quality. Um, Mata was good enough to play for a title winning Man United side. Um, he obviously never did, but I'm almost never going to be hypercritical of a move that, that brings in a player who's good enough to do that. Also from a rival. Yep. Um, but I, I think, I mean, Mata's
0: not, terribly similar to Bruno Fernandes in anything but position. But I think you could probably apply a similar conversation to his role at Chelsea. I don't think they're wildly dissimilar. I I agree as players, but I kind of think the sort of high usage, single attacking midfield creator um, in a side that makes top four, but fails to win the Premier League is a somewhat comparable thing. Like I feel like, I'm not sure whether Mata could have been the attacking midfielder in a post-2015 title-winning side. Um, and that's just because of the way he makes your sides play. Like, he's not really a central midfielder, but he's not really a forward.
1: And I think those players just became increasingly less common in the game since then. Yeah, I hear what you're saying, but I think... I don't know. I think if you plopped him in as one of those eights in, in an early Pep Guardiola Pep Guardiola City side... I think that that side would have kept on ticking. Like I think he could have done that. Um, but anyway, yeah. I, I, I do think, think that's a different role, though. That's that's different to what he was doing at Chelsea. I, I agree. No, 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 absolutely. No, he was always more of a, a forward than even those advanced eights were. Um, and I think that you can see that. That's why a lot of, you know, that's why Mourinho and LVG both opted to use him on the right wing a lot of the time when they did use him. Uh, yeah. No, I hear you. I I just think the the player is there to be in that kind of team. I I think he had that level yeah. of impact, and and yeah, basically that. Anyway, that's enough on Mata. I think as for I think let's wrap up on on this here because we're pretty <laughs> we're pretty far into the, this this pod already, and and we haven't. Even I thought you were on. gonna want to talk about Yanazai being amazing. Yeah. But. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So I actually went back and watched a little bit of this season this week yesterday, um, in preparation for this podcast. And I kind of expected to go back and be underwhelmed by Yenizai, just because, you know, I I kind of thought, given the way it all panned out, maybe we were overreacting to how good he was. And, you know, it was a rough season, 13-14 was, and you look for bright spots, he was a teenager making an impact at Premier League level. So maybe we we all overrated him. I don't even think so. Like, uh, he was genuinely incredible. <laughs> and I think if he was playing in the United team right now, I would be really high on him. Uh, yeah. Which is a little disappointing to think about. Like, he was a great ball carrier. I think you, you touched on this. He didn't really have elite burst, but he had enough burst and like the frame to be able to maybe grow into being a little bit stronger on the ball. And he was a really good passer. It. It's actually upsetting now for me to think about this. Like, Yanas, I really could have been excellent. And I don't entirely understand what happened. Uh, Yeah, I just, yeah, I wanted to mention that. Because it it was he was a big part of the second half of that season.
0: Yeah, Case said this to me before the pod. And I kind of had two responses. One being that his, I think he lacked the dribbling burst. And I think everyone wanted him to be like a dribbling winger, floor raising kind of player. Um, which he was to some extent, but not, not really. Um, and then the other thing being that, um, he is actually still quite good. Like he's had a, he's had a decent career. He's played in the top five leagues, his entire career for some pretty good teams. Um, he scored at the world cup, played for Belgium at the world cup and got a medal. Like he, it's not like it's turned out like a complete disaster. And I feel like that's a pretty normal outcome for these star youngsters, but it is just a little bit sad.
1: Yeah. I, I agree, it's a pretty normal outcome, but I don't think it's a normal like. I think it's a lower 50th percentile outcome, given how good he was at that age for the the side that he played for. But I agree, it's not outrageous. It's not like oh, this is a he had a, a catastrophic catas- He had a catastrophically poor career. Anyway, awesome. That's thirteen, okay. fourteen. Moyes gets sacked after.
0: I think we gave a lot of reasons why. That weren't because of him, but also he didn't really perform. Um, Louis Van Hall replaces Moyes after getting third at the World Cup with the Netherlands. Yes, Case paid me to put that in. Um, Van Hall comes in. First two signings were already in the door by the time Van Hall got in the door Uh, Luke Shaw and Andrew Herrera. I'll start with Shaw. I think this is like a perfect transfer. Um, He was young, left back of the season, 18 years old. A lot of people were upset about the fee. I really had no issue with the fee. This is just, this is an ever replacement. And if he didn't break his leg, he would be like universally regarded as one of the best left backs. I think ever. Like, I think he's amazing.
1: Yeah, I'm, maybe. I I think he's a really good player. Uh, And I think we bought him at the right time. I don't think the fee is outrageous. It's unfortunate all the injuries he had because I think he could have been even better than he was, than he's been. He still is really, really good. Shaw obviously win. Like, that's a huge win. Great move. Um, let's see. What else do we have that summer? Ander Herrera. Ander Herrera. I think fine move. Like, I think Herrera was a good player for the club. I think he was good enough to be in the team. I don't think he probably... I, I mean, there were periods where I think we were all frustrated that he wasn't playing. I, I remember, especially his first two years a lot of a lot of people felt that he wasn't getting as many minutes as he should. However, I think in an ideal scenario this is a player who isn't part of your first midfield 3. I think he's your fourth midfielder. Um and, and yeah, I mean there's no problem with getting a player like that, especially since United were so devoid of midfielders. So I think this was a good move.
0: Yeah, he was technically solid, he addressed a need. I I do think I mean this is definitely hindsight talking, so it might be completely wrong. But it felt like he changed as a player a lot from when Van Hall joined to when he wasn't actual first teamer under Mourinho. Like it felt like his game became a lot more defensive. Mm. Um, a lot more like man marking jobs. A lot more physical, yeah. Yeah. Whereas under Van Hall, he was kind of this like link player in the final third who would get into good goal scoring positions. Um kind of like Fred, but I think scale back the athleticism and scale up the technical. Stability, really. I don't think he was like an amazing
1: passer. Yeah, I think he was a better passer than Fred. Certainly more consistent first touch. And more press resistant, for and sure. And more press resistant. I don't think he was a particularly progressive passer. I don't think he was particularly vertical, uh, except in, in transition situations, which obviously, you know, it's limiting. It means It means that you probably shouldn't be starting consistently in the role that he played. Uh, but still a good player, United quality player. This is two United quality players brought in at a, at a, a reasonable point in their career for reasonable prices. These are both wins. Like, like I like both of these moves. Um, all right. After that was, I believe, Marcus Rojo after the World Cup. Yeah. This is this is <laughs> the one real miss in this summer. I think like this is the one where I I just don't see it. I think Rojo was was not a particularly good player, um, but you know you you bought him at a reasonable age at a reasonable price. There was some stuff there. He wasn't always awful, but he had insanely low lows. It's also one of those odd ones where, like, I think he was a better
0: center back than he was a left back, despite I think being signed off games at left back. I don't I don't think he's as bad as everyone thinks he is, but. Yeah, it's definitely not a, uh, it's
1: definitely not a successful signing. Um yeah, I don't know. I yeah. think I thought he was pretty poor. However, he he wasn't that expensive and he was bought at an age where he could be moved on later on if he failed. Like in principle, these kinds of signings are things that United should be going for. Um and if they don't work out, it's okay. Rojo did not cripple our transfer budget for years to come by not working out. Uh, so even in principle, I don't hate this move, and this is probably the one I dislike the 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 most from this window.
0: All right, uh, Daily Blend. I think we both agree is a signing that we loved. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, I think we've talked about this before before in this podcast. Maybe I should save it for the part where United sell him in 2018. Um, yeah, maybe. All right. Um, okay, Di Maria is an interesting one. Um, fresh off a man-of-the-match performance in the Champions League final and a great season for Real Madrid, they signed James Rodriguez that summer and I guess as a result decided to offload Di Maria. Um, this being, I believe, a year after they signed Gareth Bale and offloaded Ozil. Um, So United got Di Maria. He was roughly 26 at the time. So joined, I think, at like a perfect age relative to how good he was. And I don't know. It just seemed like it didn't quite work out. A lot of people speculate that it's because he didn't want to join. I honestly think it's a managerial failing. I think it should have worked out. And I don't think he had any issue joining. I think he just envisioned United
1: being better than they were under Van Hall. Yeah, I think I agree. I think think he's probably perfectly willing to join. I think... The bigger thing was, you know, LVG was just a, a very rigid manager in terms of, and he always was this way. He, he had this interpretation of the style of, of football uh, that he liked to play that was extremely rigid relative to the other managers who liked to play that style. Um, and it, it led to success because he was able to take more limited players than you know, his counterparts and turn them into hyper-functional sides because of the rigidity. The issue is that rigidity I think became less valuable and it, it that rigidity failed to make the most of the quality that he had at this point in the sort of tactical evolution of the game because other managers were starting to do things that were affording of the same security that that rigidity offered while simultaneously being more progressive. Does that make sense? Yeah, um, totally. And so I think Di Maria came in expecting that fluidity that comes with, you know, a, a manager who's known for procession football. And that was just never what LVG was. And Di Maria never really got that freedom. And I think that created a ton of conflict. And so LVG was constantly moving him around wasn't even playing him a lot in the second half of the season. I I just think the, the the big mistake here was not just giving him one of the two wings and then excusing him his defensive faults and just letting him be the star because I he's he's been incredible after this, he's he was incredible before this, and even if you look at his production in the season, he had 10 assists in the league in less than a full league season. <laughs> Like it's not like he didn't have an impact. Some of the best moments of that season are Di Maria are made by Di Maria. Mata's scissor kick at Anfield, Di Maria uh, assists it. Uh, the lob against Leicester. Obviously, that was a that match ended very poorly. But probably the peak of that season was that was when United were up three one um, and cruising and playing beautiful football, and that was because of Di Maria. I I think you if you give me this, this opportunity again, if you take the exact same player with the exact same disposition, exact same disposition, exact same background, exact same family life worldview. At, give me, if you give me D Maria a second time at age 26, right now, and the opportunity to sign him, I sign him. And, and I think the second time it works out, especially with a different manager. Agreed. Um, and last of all, for the incomings, at least, uh, Falkow cow. You, you take this one first because I think I probably have the most divergent view on this. Honestly, it was a loan. So
0: it's kind of similar to what I've been saying about the Neymar rumors, right? It's an elite forward, it's a loan. If it goes well, you sign them. If it doesn't go well, you don't sign them you don't inherit much of the financial risk. Like United spent a lot of money on this loan, but they didn't spend a lot of money on this loan um, compared to what they spent on say Ronaldo or Varane or even players like Nemanja Matic or Casemiro um, who are aging stars um, that United paid out right to buy and then put on the same high wages that Falcao was on. Um, so Regardless of whether I thought it would work out or not, um, I think it was a good deal. I probably just wouldn't have sold Danny Welbeck.
1: Yep. So I agree. I think a a pretty big mistake here from United was letting Welbeck, and then we'll get to this in a little bit, but letting Welbeck and Chicharito go because I think they a, a big thing that United suffered from in the ensuing years was the absence of a traditional center forward, and I think both of those players had the capacity to play that role. Maybe not at an elite level, but you'd still rather have those guys. Yeah, kind of. Although I, I, I guess I just, I don't feel the same
0: way about Chicharito because I see where it was coming from. And while I agree, United lacked a striker. I think that's more to do with a failure to address the selling of all of the other strikers, um, in, in the subsequent years. Um, whereas Welbeck, I think is specifically a good tactical option, um, at the time, he could play out wide, he was playing up front, he was a great presser, he was great out of possession, those are kind of the same thing. He was. He, he just had a lot of skills that made him valuable in a different way to strikers like Van Persie and Falcao at that time, and I think he could have been a good partner for them, I think he could have been a good tactical enabler for a manager like Van Hall. Also, they sold him for cheap to a rival. The injuries ended up making United not have to pay too much for that. But I think if Welbeck was fit throughout his career, he also would have had a solid goal scoring record. Like even now, he's doing quite well at Brighton. So,
1: yeah, I don't disagree. As for Falcao, a reason I really like the Di Maria move, a reason I really like the Mata move, a reason that I also really like this move, is the the raw quality conversation. United, I think, probably people didn't clock this at the time, but I think LVG recognized that this side was aging faster than other people realized, even in his first summer. I think he had, he had spent the summer with the Dutch national team. He knew RVP wasn't really fully what he was. uh, By the end of that tournament, he was taking him off before the full 90 minutes and and he really didn't have an impact in the knockout rounds. I think there was sort of an awareness in the back of his mind that he was not actually going to be a major contributor Falcao, on the other hand, he was coming off that that major injury. He missed that World Cup. I think people remember him as having had no impact on this team. The reality is he actually put up 0.5 non-penalty expected goals per 90 minutes, (laughs) which is excellent. Like, that is by far the best in this team. Um, It would have put him in, if he would played a full season, it would have put him in the top half of the Premier League. Uh, Not half, the top 10 in the Premier League. He just happened to score four goals from seven expected goals in about twelve hundred minutes. He just had some bad finishing luck. The rest of his career, he was an excellent finisher. I think if they'd ridden the bad finishing luck, given him more minutes, he would have really helped this team. I think this was still a very high quality player, and I really liked this signing at the time, and I still like that sign. This signing, um, I think it just this is another one like Di Maria where it just didn't work. And sort of a little bit of outcome bias when when we said oh well clearly this was a mistake from the from the outset this this window was poorly formulated because these players were were washed up or couldn't handle the pressure at United I think they just didn't get enough minutes um, I think if Falcao and Di Maria play another season at United they they would be pretty widely regarded as very good players for the team. Um, But that's just, that's how I look at it.
0: So for 2013, we talked a lot about, you know, profiling issues and addressing the needs in the squad. In this season, I think we both kind of said that United had a pretty good window. Um, The one maybe odd point being the departures of a few strikers. Shinji Kagawa and Alex Butner also left. Um, and so did Bebe. <laughs> um, but more importantly, Evra, Yeah, Evra, Vidic, Ferdinand all left in this window. So maybe you could argue United didn't do enough to replace them at center back, but then Chris Smalling also became a key, a key player in that season. So who's to
1: say? Um, yeah, I think there was also a lot of complaints. There were a lot of complaints about the performances defensively. That was always... Well, in this season, that was the issue for United in the 14-15 season. To be honest with you, I think that had more to do with another miscalculation that LVG made, which was he didn't really prioritize physicality as much as I think he probably should have. And so what you wound up with was a side that couldn't press physically in the way that he wanted to, which didn't protect the, front, the back four. So you wound up with a disproportionate number of stretched... Game states, um, or not game states, but really, you, you, they conceded a ton of counterattacks. and these center backs were found out in space, like most center backs wind up being found out in space. And so, I look back at it, and I think maybe we were maybe we were harsh on players like Smalling, Evans, Jones, even. Um, in terms of their actual defensive ability. I think we saw that with Smalling later in his United career, that he was actually a a talented defender. Awesome. I think on that
0: note, we can move to the next window. Um, So United finished in the top four that year after a good transfer window, and they have to respond in the summer. Um, The midfield clearly needs fixing. Carrick starts picking up a lot of injuries um Herrera fought to be favored but by the end of this window by the end of that season I think he was favored um and then Marwan Fellaini was also starting which didn't really seem like the long-term plan um and so United go out and sign Morgan Schneiderlin and Bastian Schweinsteiger um they also sign young forwards to replace the outgoing Van Persie Falcao Di Maria and
1: officially Chicharito and Nani. Nani had been on loan that's another one I think was probably a mistake (laughs) and then they
0: bring in Marcial and Memphis Depay Um, and then lastly Romero comes in amid rumors that De Gea will not extend his contract and Darmian also came in um, at right back to be the long-term replacement for Antonio Valencia United got top four then they had this transfer window and they sucked and they got fifth seems like they just failed to address the issues in attack but you and I have both gone back and watched parts of the season and thought that a lot of the elements of the team
1: were actually pretty good tactically. Yeah, I think, especially second half of the season, there were a lot of things that were clicking. Um, still extremely open at the back, but there were a lot of elements that I liked. Martial just looks like a completely different player, which is very sad to see <laughs> in hindsight. Yeah. Um, I hope people know, like Martial was a joke in this yeah. season. Like he, it was, he not was a, as good as you think he best, was.
0: He's the best twenty-year-old I think United have had since I don't know, maybe Rooney and Ronaldo.
1: Like he was ridiculous. Yeah. Rip. But anyway, I th- <laughs> I think going back to the summer window, I think the key issue here was. Memphis was just not ready for this physically um, or mentally, which he would tell you himself, which meant that you basically brought in Martial to to replace three m- mature above Premier League average attackers uh, in RVP Falcao. That's and putting it lightly. Yeah. yeah, Di Maria was still elite. And then Falcao, I would say, was still very, very good. And RVP was still above average, I would say. Um, even though he obviously not good enough, I think people probably underestimated how much better he was than just running out a bunch of kids, which is ultimately what United did in this season. Their front three was pretty consistently a combination of Memphis, Rashford, Martial, Rashford obviously got introduced second half of the season, but he played most of the minutes past that point. Uh, Memphis, Martial, Rashford, Lingard, uh, took up most of the forward minutes. That's, I I know people probably, it's probably a controversial statement. They were not very good players at that point in their careers, barring Martial. And you can see that if you go back and watch those matches. Lingard is probably Premier League average. Rashford is probably slightly below Premier League average. That's controversial, but I think Lingard was actually a better player at this point. Um Rashford was 18. Yep, for, exactly. For there's added. not there's not there's nothing wrong with that. Rashford was incredible for an 18-year-old, but he was a moments player who couldn't consistently impact matches because he was 18. That's totally normal. What's what was abnormal was that Martial could consistently affect matches and he was 19, 20. Yeah, like if we
0: had the Rashford of now. I th- I think a lot of people because we've watched Rashford so closely over the last like 6, 7 years I don't think people realize how much better he is now than he was then. Like it's it's a huge margin. Um and I think if you had the Rashford now with Martial of then, you'd you'd have something. Um, but you did not. You just have Martial. Yeah. And and Rooney. Yeah,
1: Rooney Rooney was still above average Premier League player, I would say, but just barely. Um so what you have was functionally an, an a Premier League average attack plus Martial, which on pure quality, just could not get it done. <laughs> and, and I think that was really the issue here beyond the fact that the team was still super vulnerable in counterattacking situations because the press was still, I, I don't want to say it was bad, but it was it was hyper-aggressive and lacked conservatism, conservatism in key moments, which, yeah, uh, just lacked a little bit of gamemanship, which I think makes sense because this was a really young team. Ultimately, I think, You can't say LVG was hard done by though because ultimately it was his fault that he did not have mature elite attackers. He sold all of the players who could have... He sold or allowed to leave all of the players who could have been that for him uh, and decided to put his faith in moldable youth that was not ready. Um, And so I think he sort of... You know, he he built his own casket (laughs) and and laid in it himself. Uh, Yeah.
0: Yeah. This is an example of a window where I think United actually hit the major profile needs. They addressed midfield. They addressed, they got a new defender in. Um, Blind and Smalling were great at center back that year. Shaw would have been great at left back that year if he didn't break his leg. Um, They just got the wrong new players in. Schneiderlin was a miss. Um, young Aaron would have thought he would have been a hit after playing for Pacha Southampton, but I was probably missing something. Um, Schweinsteiger was, I wouldn't say a miss for the fee, but wasn't like a insert into the first team central midfielder at that stage of his career. Um, Memphis was the same as Schweinsteiger, but on the opposite side of his career and Martial was... We'll give them the benefit of the doubt and say that they knew Martial was as good as he was and not just like throw
1: $50 million at a panic buy, which is what it seemed like at the time. Yeah, I think that was a, a massive stroke of luck. I think this could have been a catastrophically bad season if Martial hadn't come in. Um, but yeah, just to substantiate what we are saying about Rashford, and again, this is not Rashford slander. He was 18 years old and had an impact for a top-half Premier League side. Objectively excellent. But... He played 1990s. He played 1,700 minutes, so exactly half of the Premier League season that year. And he scored five non-penalty goals and provided one assist. Uh, Two of those five non-penalty goals came in his first match. Uh, So then he went... Against Arsenal. Against Arsenal. Then he went the ensuing 18 matches scoring three goals and providing one assist. Playing center forward predominantly. I think that speaks for itself. I think entirely. Uh, he, played, he had some matches at left wing, but uh, and I think he had an appearance or two at right wing as well. Um, but yeah, I, I think that speaks for itself. This, this was not a player who, who, who could consistently impact games at this level at that time, and that's okay. Uh, but I think it's important to consider in the context. This was the worst attack United have probably had in the Premier League era from a, a personnel standpoint.
0: I mean, if you had Di Maria, Falcao, and Martial, and then you're bringing Rashford off the bench, that's kind of the idea here. And I honestly think if United had a better window here, they could have won the Premier League. Leicester won it that year. Um, Maybe. Maybe.
1: I think if you look at the underlyings on this team, they're awful, though. So uh, They are, but I
0: also think a lot of the dominance that United had in games was not being converted yeah. into chances yep. because of the quality I know of this that's attack. True. I know so, that's true. Um yeah it, weirdly this is gonna sound strange but as bad as this team was, I actually think that's the most realistic year United could have won the league since Ferguson retired yeah, I think you're probably right um which is odd to think about um also the other thing I'll say is I think the tactical elements started to come up in the next season even though Van Hall was gone I think there were a lot of the like good elements still present and United actually had their best um their best expected goal difference season post Ferguson. In Mourinho's first season, when they signed Paul Pogba, Hendrik Mkhitaryan, Eric Bai, and Zlatan I think, I think if you
1: were to look at the stats bomb numbers, Ali's first season, full, his first full season is actually better. Yeah. Interesting.
0: Well, Understat has this season ahead of this current season with Ten Hag, ahead of Ali's first season. Interesting. Yeah.
1: Well, I think... It's unfortunate that we don't have the
0: Oh I'll add we don't have numbers for the Moyes season. I suspect they were probably they probably had United better than seventh, but probably not as good as this season here. Yeah.
1: I don't know. I I I, I would I'm disinclined to get too um granular with breaking down the XG differentials on of teams that play different teams. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I think we can kind of Group them into good and bad years, and this this Mourinho year was was clearly a good year.
0: Yeah, let's start with Eric Bae. Um, young center back for thirty million is a is a good signing to make. I think this team needed more talent. This team was young, so you want to add to that rebuild, um, and build for the long term. I'm not sure how I feel about Eric Bae as a talent. I think he's not. I think he's a sub elite defender. Um, I think he's a sub. I think he's sub elite on the ball. Um, but I also think that has the benefit of hindsight. Like I wasn't watching Villarreal
1: tape at that time. So Yeah, I think by had his moments for United, but ultimately technically was never going to be a good enough player to win a Premier League in the Pep era, which is uh this this summer 2016 was the the summer leading into the the post-Pep Premier League. Um when I say post Pep, I mean post Pep's arrival. So I guess it's it's mid Pep. <laughs> um, yeah, that's what I have to say about Bai. He, he had very good moments. He he just kind of became a, a joke later on because he wasn't a very good decision maker, to put it lightly, um, and put himself in some some hilarious spots. But I, I he I think this is he's the worst signing in this window, and and not an awful one. So yeah. Yep, um, Zlatan, free,
0: star, no complaints there. Yeah, perfect. Pogba, I think Pogba joined at twenty three. I know it was a record fee, but he was instantly the best player United have had since
1: since RVP was was in his Dan prime. Percy. Yeah. or or at least yeah, yeah. Rooney, whichever you, of the two you think um, was better. Yeah, Pogba was sensational in this
0: season. Like people, I don't think people realize how good he was. He just came in and he was him like immediately um at 23 and then mkhitaryan who his numbers were like video game numbers at Dortmund uh the season before he joined so even though it didn't really pan out i think there are some managerial concerns there as to why it didn't pan out again um i think he was a good player to be honest and i know he also didn't pan out at wenger's arsenal exactly as expected but if you look back i think we were taking a look before the podcast and his numbers were good they at weren't arsenal. just good
1: they were they were elite they were incredible <laughs> His, his numbers at Arsenal were, were very, very, very good. Um, He just didn't get consistent minutes for whatever reason. And I think it's a little odd because he was also a, a good out-of-possession player at the position that he played. Yeah, I liked the Mkhitaryan move. If United did it today, I would like the Mkhitaryan move. Um, I think he showed a lot more at Premier League level than Sancho has, for example. Yeah, as for Pogba, I don't want to harp on this too much, but... Yeah, he's the best player that United have had post-Ferguson. Whether you think his inability to leverage that into consistent impact was down to injuries or down to managerial usage or down to personal issues. Personally, I think the overwhelming evidence is managerial issues. Um, Another thing that Mourinho did was he uninstalled a bunch of Tracking uh, video tracking and, and tracking data equipment uh, at Carrington uh, that LVG had had put in place that I think really set United back in terms of their physical conditioning and their ability to keep track of injuries for players. And I think that hurt Pogba. I think it later on hurt Lukaku and maybe Matic and a variety of other players, uh, Martial. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I think I think if United had signed Pogba and recognized that he was an attacking midfielder functionally and used him that way, we would consensus view him as, as one of the greatest players in the history of, of, of the club. And I think it's very sad that the picture will always be as, as, as tainted as it was. And, and obviously, he didn't always make it easy for fans to love him because he was loud, but I don't think being loud... (laughs) I I think if he'd been loud and the team had been good, no one would have cared. So I think it's a bit of a double standard because a lot of United's great stars have been loud. Um, Yeah, and I think that's all I want to say about Pogba because it it, it honestly makes me sad. (laughs) Yeah, Um,
0: I think another thing, Pogba aside, what you'll see is I think both Case and I have like a general lower um reluctance like we're we're more willing towards superstar signings because i think we both agree the team needs them to win um there have been good superstar signings and bad superstar signings over the years at united but i think people have this idea that superstars bring drama and failure whereas the truth is the failure was already there the superstars just also happen to be there it's a correlation and causation thing that doesn't that doesn't actually pan out um Lukaku we'll talk about in a bit Pogba Zlatan Di Maria Falcao these were all at least relatively good signings um in my view who made the team better um and we'll get on to some superstars a bit later on that or maybe one superstar later on that wasn't a good signing but the rest of them were all good signings
1: yeah I agree I think we can move on to the next to the next window
0: yeah, I mean, just to cap that off, that was a good window, and United also sold some players that LVG brought through. So you got you saw like a couple of different good things from LVG's tenure. I think coming through in this window and this season, um, I think selling Memphis was a mistake. You basically inherited him for the t- the point when he was bad, and then just immediately sold him to someone else to get all of the development points that he had acquired at United, and just
1: continue to prosper. I think. I think. Mourinho was a very was very good had good talent identification but his game model was outdated and he wasn't really he didn't really care about team building he cared about winning in the in the short term and so he parted with a, a lot of players who i think uh, with a few players who i think could have made major positive impact under a different manager but In general, the players that came in under Mourinho were good players, and I think other managers made more mistakes in terms of bringing in, and again, it's not just the manager, but I think other United managers, specifically LVG and Solskjaer, brought in more mediocre players. Uh, Mourinho, it was quite rare that Mourinho brought in poor players. So continuing
0: on that theme, Lukaku, Matic, Lindelof, and Alexis Sanchez came in the next summer. Sanchez was in the winter, Um, but yeah. Yes, sorry. Um, I hated the Matic signing personally. I know he was a good player, but United needed a long-term defensive midfielder, and they're still feeling the impacts of this today. I mean, until last summer when they signed Casemiro, which to me feels like making the same mistake again, but... Um, I do think you'll get more out of Casemiro than you got out of Matic, who was great for a little bit, and then really, really poor, mixed with, um, unable to keep up for the rest of his United tenure. Um, if you had signed a young defense midfielder in 2017, I think the linked name was Fabinho. You would have basically just had that guy as your starter this entire time. The defense midfielder issue would never have happened. The other signings, though, I don't really have an issue with, like, Lindelof is, I mean, I don't think it's great. Like, I think, again, the talent identification was they got a good player, but they didn't get, like, an amazing player. Um, Like, he's kind of just, he's fine to above average at Premier League level and has been since he arrived. Um, Lukaku, I also think was, like, I don't think he was one of the best strikers in the world, but he was guaranteed goals and helped United score a lot of goals that gave them the high points tally in this season. Um, a lot of people complain that he doesn't score against big teams. A, I think it's a lie. B, I don't really care. Um, <laughs> yeah. Give me a striker that beats every small team in the league. And nine out of ten times, you'll finish in the top three. Yeah, um,
1: yeah. I think with Lukaku, there's a, like, this is another one where it's like there are a lot of reasons. There are a lot of theories as to why this didn't work. Some people say he wasn't actually that good. I think he was clearly United quality. <laughs> um, yeah. There's the gastrointestinal thing where he had a gastrointestinal issue that they picked up at Inter. They realized he had, and apparently it made his fitness and conditioning a lot easier. Incredibly
0: worrying that they didn't know that at United, by the way. I don't know. I'm not a sports scientist, so I won't yeah. make too many
1: comments there, yeah. but I, 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 try, I try to shy away from this, but this is something that Lukaku himself has said made a huge difference. Tough to argue with that. And then injuries, like he, he got hurt uh, and and that was frustrating. But ultimately, this is a player who I think you want in your team. Uh, I think he was one of United's best players. I think he actually was more impactful than people realize. Yeah, and then the next season, there was a he had a he had a run under Ali where he had a brace three matches in a row. I think, or maybe it was four matches in a row. Um, if you do that even once in a season, you're accounting for like a ton of points. He scored like twenty six
0: goals in his first season. By the way, and I don't even just mean he scored 26 super inflated goals. Most of those were in the Premier League and United were playing Champions League football that season. So, it's not like he he had a run of like 15 goals in the Europa League. Um he actually was scoring consistently against Premier League or higher level opposition. Also, I think he made the t- I think the team the attack flowed better with him than Zlatan where everything kind of gravitated around him. Yep. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't think Lukaku was a superstar. I think if United were to sign a player like this now for this fee, I would question whether they're worth the fee, but I wouldn't question that
1: the player would be really helpful for United. Um,
0: I so think overall, if,
1: sorry. I think if a player with Lukaku's output were available for 72 million pounds today, and he'd played the premier league for a mid table club, that's true. But seventy five million i probably be pounds, in on it. I'd probably be in on million it. Pounds, Today is not the same
0: as in 2018. I think. True, true. I think it was the most or second most expensive signing that summer, something like that. Wasn't that
1: the Neymar summer and the Mbappe summer?
0: N- Neymar and
1: Mbappe did not officially join PSG in the same year. I mean, they Mbappe was loaned, but I mean, the next year it was a, it was with a guaranteed buy it, clause. So it, it was like
0: the a- summer. I think they bought Neymar and loaned Mbappe. Yeah. yeah so but I think oh and also Barca probably replaced them with some 100 million plus player but after those guys Coutinho was, was in the
1: winter and maybe Dembele was that summer too
0: it it was it was really expensive yeah. at that time regardless <laughs> yeah. of those market inflated deals yeah. <laughs> um, yeah okay summer of 2019 no summer of 2018 Mourinho gets second in the Premier League oh sorry no 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 whoa 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 we skipped over a big one sorry Alexis Sanchez. Mm. I don't hate this signing. I'll be honest. I know it went badly. I think United were not coached well in attack. I think if they were, Sanchez still would have bad goals. Um, it was like 30 million. I don't know how I feel about letting Mkhitaryan go, but getting Sanchez from a rival at the time when he was still in his peak feels like a win. I mean, he's still been contributing regularly for top five league teams till now. So Again yeah. this feels like one of those ones where you, where you judge based on the outcome and not why the outcome was occurring which is united were dysfunctional
1: and it affected the output of their best players. I think it was dysfunctional the way the move was made. Like I think the decision nothing about how Sanchez was acquired was good. Mid-season swapping a player you'd recently purchased for the same manager Who wasn't even performing poorly. All of that is weird. But Sanchez himself, before he came to United, was there was there were no signs of decline. He was playing, he was Arsenal's best player that the first half of that season. It is really odd that he did not have the same impact for United in the second half of that season and in the season after that. It doesn't really make sense to me. Um, that said, he never was the same player again. So maybe, maybe there was physical decline coming.
0: I think he was past his absolute best, but I think the complete lack of impact is down to how United were coached. And yeah,
1: I think probably. So in general, I don't hate this move, but it's not the acquisition of elite talent that I like the most. Let me put it that way. Um, the other thing I'll
0: add is I objected to that Mourinho used him to replace Martial and was playing Jesse Lingard every week instead of Martial. Um, that makes no sense. Martial was actually getting into a great vein of form at the time Sanchez joined. And instead of playing both Sanchez and Martial, which would have been very possible with Lukaku and Pogba, he decided to bench Martial, and he started benching Pogba. Um, and then this summer, this year, or like the year after this, he also sold Daily Blind. This is a good place to continue um blend was a bad sale in my opinion i think he would have still been playing for united at least until like two years ago um and likely even you probably wouldn't have even signed maguire if you had Blind. um i think they also sold sam johnston in that summer which is again a nice like academy product to sale move um Solskjaer came in and sold fellaini in the january and then the incomings were fred diogo Dallo, and lee grant What do we think about that?
1: That's a really bad window. Obviously, Fred was supposed to be a lot better than he is. Dallow hardly played. Lee Grant, I mean, I can't even say anything about Lee Grant. Lee Grant never played. Um, So, it's it's an awful window. I don't... uh, This is like... You can see how complacent the whoever it is who who opens the tap on funds gets when United are seemingly on the surface near top of the top of the line competition um because the Moyes summer and then this summer which were two summers that followed um you know a first place finish the second place finish eighty point plus tallies, um, the, the, the windows are nothing like that is a nothing window. That is one senior side player. And then one player who could be senior side. Dalo.
0: Yeah. So Fred is clearly a misidentification of talent. I think, um, Dalo is, I'm actually fine with Dalo as a signing, but United needed a starting right back at the time. Um, they would correct in quotes this issue a year later by signing Wamba for 50 million. um, and grant was just a guy um yeah i i think i'm gonna veer into the world of speculation for a minute here um a lot of the rumors at the time were suggesting united were having kind of a transfer feud with mourinho who wanted to bring in ivan parisic and toby alderwereld and swap marcel for william um and I have what, no issue with the United Board. Been. Yeah, I have no issue with the United Board being like, no. Nope. We're not doing that. Yeah. The issue I have is with the United Board being like, no, we're not going to do that, but we're also not going to do anything else. Um, if you're gonna reject those moves, make other moves, right? Bring in a young top quality center back. Liverpool signed Virgil van Dyke, like shortly before that. Um bring in A top quality left wing and right wing prospect for Mourinho. But I mean, I don't have any issues with United not signing Parisic, William, and Aldebarald, all 29 years old. Like, can you imagine the state the club would be in now if they had made those moves? And Chelsea would have had Martial. Oh my goodness.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Ultimately, I think this goes back to what I said earlier about Mourinho. He did not care about team building. He cared about collecting points in real time. How, however, he felt he could do that. Um, would Perisic, Alderweireld, and who's the, Willian. Who's the other? William. All right, William. <laughs> um, <laughs> made United better in the short term. Yeah, I think probably. Um, but what? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, It just, this is another one where the people at United were overestimating how close they actually were to winning a title. Well, Marine they were included. included. Was. Like, Marine, I mean, yeah. they,
0: they ultimately said no to these things.
1: Right, but I think that had less to do with how close they thought they were to a title and more to do with just, that like, it moves made no sense. Yeah, like, it just made no sense.
0: So that summer's nuts. Mourinho gets sacked. Solskjaer comes in. Great intern spell, but not enough to get United into the top four. United are playing Europe League the next season. Solskjaer gets to make a big splash to make the team better. He brings in Aaron Wambasaka for 50 million pounds. Dan James for like 15-ish million pounds. Harry Maguire to become the most expensive center back of all time. And then in January, yeah, 80-ish. And then Bruno Fernandez in January, when the team dri- like
1: could not buy a goal for their life. Martial was hurt at this point. Rashford also got hurt. Um,
0: yeah, Rashford broke his back. Sorry, sorry too much.
1: Martial wasn't hurt. Uh, Rashford was hurt, and Pogba was hurt. So Martial
0: and Rashford both spent long stretches of the season injured. Actually, I mean they both ended. Martial close did. To Are 90s. you sure? Yeah, yeah. yeah Martial got hurt. There was a period where United beat United beat like Spurs and Chelsea away going into Christmas, and Martial didn't play any of those. It was like Rashford up front with Dan James and like yeah. I think Greenwood on the wings, or Mata or Pereira. Um, just a yeah. dire
1: attacking. I, I th- yeah, I think the real nightmare there was exactly how few good midfielders there were. Letting Herrera leave huge mistake in that oh, window yeah. before.
0: Yeah, the free departures that summer included um, Ander Herrera. Or no, sorry. This is this is a couple of years later. Sorry, no, no, no. Yeah, it was just Ander Herrera. And then they also and sold Lukaku, Smalling, Darmian, Lukaku and, was and sold. Lukaku.
1: Yeah, I think yeah. when you consider that basically Lukaku's sale funded Wan Basaka, like that's a – like you want to pull your hair Never out. Never say because, that again. Yeah, especially when you look at the problems the team had the next season. Lack of a center forward was a huge issue when Martial was hurt. But even when Martial wasn't hurt, United would go matches without scoring goals, and Lukaku would have addressed that. Um, Martial obviously had 17 non-penalty goals in this season. He was massively overperforming his expected goals. I still don't think Martial was ever really a true center forward. I think... He should not have been converted. He still would have scored those goals playing left wing. Like, they weren't... uh, I agree. I agree. They weren't strikers Diving headers. No. Um... Yeah, I I think, to whatever extent you think he played well in that season, he obviously had good moments, but I've said this before, and I'm sure I'm not done saying it, because I don't think Martial is leaving this summer. The effect he has on team shape when playing at center forward is very, very bad for confronting low blocks. And that was United's problem in this season, was their inability to confront and beat low blocks. Um Lukaku would have helped with that massively. Beyond that, I believe the McTominay and Pereira, I think, picked up most of the midfield minutes the first half of the season, which is insane because that is genuinely two players who would not be out of place in a relegation fight. Um, and I think the third for most of that season was Fred because Pogba got hurt, I think, a month into the season. I think it was a massive oversight to invest to not invest in midfield and in, to instead invest at center back and 130 million spent at center back and right back is never going to elevate your team as much as 130 million spent elsewhere and it I don't even think swapping Smalling for Maguire was a massive upgrade uh I think it was an upgrade but
0: I don't know about not that a big one. one but I,
1: I think Smalling was still a, a good player at this point especially defensively um I think Wire I mean, prepared them but i'd much rather have the 80 million back to spend in midfield yeah that's than have fair smalling um i'd i'd much rather have kept Lukaku, not ever gotten wambasaka and never gotten maguire and spent the 80 million on midfielders i think you wind up with a much better team that way that's fair but i do i do think this team
0: misses top 4 if you switch maguire for smalling like M- maguire was really important in these seasons
1: I- yep Mag- this was by far maguire's best season again McGuire was a very good player for United early on. I don't, th- I, I don't think if you swap swalling for for McGuire, this team doesn't make top four. If you invest the money in midfield, like like let's say you take the eight, you get the eighty million back, and you get the forty eight million we spent on Bruno or something like that. That's one hundred and thirty million basically to spend on midfielders. If you get Bruno, and you get two more midfielders, or even just one at eighty million, you get a star midfielder and you're playing Smalling instead of Maguire as center back. I think you have a much better team. I do.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I mean, Maguire's not an 80, is not an 80 million pound player. I get why they
1: did it. They needed a center back. I I understood why but... they did it at the time. It's a nuts. It's such a bad window. It's really difficult to and then, and then Dan James was basically just signed on the recommendation of Ryan Giggs, which Like, he was never a United quality player. I don't even think really the potential was there for him to be one.
0: Yeah, a lot of people argue this Dan James move was good because he was sold for a profit. And, like, that's what teams do with good players, not with, like, bad players. Like, you you basically just... He also just happened to have a fetish
1: for Dan James and bailed United out of a bad move. Like, that is what it was. Yeah... Can I say fetish on this podcast? (laughs) Yeah, that's what I was thinking about. (laughs) Um,
0: Yeah, you basically relied on the inefficiency of another team to bail out the inefficiency of United here. And there are plenty of young wingers you can get for $15 who are just so much better than Dan James. Like, if you sold Dan James for $30 imagine what you could have sold, like, a remotely good winger for. He's one of the worst wingers I've ever seen start 30 games for a team in the Premier League. Did he start 30
1: games? He had to have been close. It must have been close. He started almost every game at right wing. Like, I, I cannot
0: emphasize this enough. We
1: were... First, yeah, I mean, okay.
0: There's also a, there's also an element of coaching inefficiency here where he was playing because the team was not coherent defensively. He played 20, 25.4 90s in the Premier League that season for Manchester United. Um, he was playing because of a tactical inefficiency out of possession and because United literally didn't have other players. There were... I think it was Martial, Rashford, James, Mata, Lingard, Pereira. Lingard and Pereira were splitting the number 10 slot. And then there was um, Mason Greenwood who got promoted. And that was it. That was the entire attack for the front four. Because Pogba was playing in the pivot before Bruno joined. Yeah, this was awful. Um, I mean, Igalo is whatever, but it's awful. Um, Which brings us to 2020 where United bring in Fernandez, who was great. They got top four. Um, I think you could probably make an argument Bruno is like the second or third best signing post-Ferguson. Um, on impact, on outcome, he's probably first. Um, summer 2020, United need to make a splash. Heavy rumors of Sancho, negotiation war with Dortmund. United end up with Donny van de Beek in the same position as your best player. Ahmad Diallo, who is an 18-year-old winger. Um, Alex Tellez, who is the worst fullback I've ever seen. Facundo Palistri, who is on the recommendation of Diego Forlan and Edinson Cavani, who was a free, another superstar signing who I thought was good, but didn't really play that much. If you actually look back, I think he played 1390s in the Premier League. So they basically did not address the midfield needs again. Pogba spent a fair bit of the season in the pivot again before Solskjaer settled on Fred and McTominay and the move Pogba to the left wing, um, which worked out really well. Um, and I think off the talent that they had there, um, they were much better than they were the season prior on talent, but I think they were worse tactically. But United still had enough there to get second in the Premier League with some dysfunction with rivals around them, um, a good run in the Europa League after getting. Horribly terrifyingly knocked out in the Champions League group stages, but we won't go there. Um Yeah. Um, I, I mean I think an oversight here was that they lost Angel Gomez. Um, I think that was a mistake. Gomez is currently playing in that like deep, press resistant midfield position for Lille. I haven't gone and watched much of it to say how good he is, but the fact he's playing it at all for a decent team means that
1: he would probably still be useful to United now. Especially um, when we kept Tahith Chong. <laughs> who who is a just not even a particularly good player at championship level. Uh yeah. I it's funny because I think we've had managers who have just oscillated between overvaluing technical ability versus overvaluing physical ability. Um I think Mourinho and Soulstar overvalued physical attributes. Um and I think Gomes the decision surrounding Gomes was was a product of that. I, th- I think it's pretty outrageous that he never even got really a, a, a cup of coffee at, at Premier League level. I mean, Van Hall would have loved him. Yep. No doubt.
0: All right. Any other points on this summer? Like, I don't think Van De Beek's a bad signing, but, I mean, he's basically just not been used at all, which suggests to me that the manager didn't really want or know how to use him. Um, also, he plays the position of your best player. Um, Ahmad could end up being a good signing, but United spent a lot of money and again, needed a starting right winger and got Ahmad Diallo, who had never played senior football in his life, bar like a few cameos for Atalanta.
1: Yeah, it's a really bad window. Um, I loved the Ahmad signing when it happened, uh, but obviously he's probably, he's probably hit... His like 50th percentile outcome, to be honest with you, the player he is now, he's Premier league level now, uh, whether he would elevate this current United team, I'm doubtful. Um, I mean, I think all of, I think a lot of people think
0: it was more expensive than it was too. Like a yeah. lot of the add-ons are surely contingent on him playing, playing
1: matches for United, which yeah. Yeah. The, the fee was less than 20, like we have, United have paid less than 20 million pounds. It was at, comparable at to Dan, Dan James with a bunch of, yeah. with, a, with a wad of add-ons. Yeah. And and a much higher ceiling. So I I don't hate that move. Palistri, I didn't think he was a particularly good prospect at the time. I still don't think he's a particularly good player. Uh, That's how that's worked out. Donnie, yeah, I mean, I felt United needed uh, another advanced midfield option at the time. I think that was erroneous. I think what they really needed was another holding midfield option at the time. Uh, Soulstar clearly didn't want Donny. Didn't know what to do with him. Uh, rarely ever used him. Um, yeah, I think at this point it, it, it's been three years. He hasn't on his team. Has started,
0: I think, six something like that Premier
1: League games for United. That is like atrocious. Is that it still? I, th- I thought he maybe had a few more this season. But yeah, I think it's under 10, which is like nuts. Um. It is
0: a total of six Premier League starts for United and five for Everton in that four month loan. Um, yeah, that's pretty nuts. Um, so this is like an all timer bad for 35 million. And I don't even really think it's like, I honestly think if you just gave this guy
1: 10 games, he'd be fine at worst, but that's just never happened. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's key to remember is he never actually got a run out. It's difficult to say what, what, what he is like, what he is at Premier League level, whether he's a squad player yeah. for United, if he's not good enough for that, if he is more than that, he literally has never played. He has never had consistent minutes. We don't know what happens behind the scenes. Maybe there is a reason. I doubt it, yeah. but maybe there is a reason. The thing is, nothing's ever come out about you know him mentally not being there or anything to that extent that, that I've read, at least. Um, yeah. It, it's a really bad window. The only redeeming thing is the Cavani move, which I think was clearly excellent and necessary at the time. He had a huge impact in the limited minutes that he did play, but obviously... Because the club is run so peculiarly, he was allowed a really long leash, even though the club was in this malaise, sort of neither here nor there. It also it also felt like he was
0: one of two striker incomings, not like the long-term solution to the problem guy. Like, I think that at that point, they were committed to Martial starting up front, which we've obviously discussed
1: was the wrong and then, decision. And then Greenwood ultimately, I think, was the long-term plan there that he was going to A center forward,
0: which I mean, I don't want to get into the Greenwood thing, but even
1: before the Greenwood
0: thing, I don't think he was that guy.
1: I agree. I don't, I don't, I think Greenwood as a prospect was probably wildly overrated,
0: but I don't want to talk about this. I don't even want to advertise this really. But if you really want, there's like a deep archive article that both of us have written an article about Greenwood. You can go read it. We both talk about why we didn't think he was the guy even before everything happened. So
1: you can go find That's it probably want. the last time we'll ever address that on this podcast. So, Awesome. Summer
0: 2021. Uh, this is where things begin to get interesting because Solskjaer finishes second. United are back in the Champions League. This is time for things to happen. Fred and McTominay are playing in midfield. You badly need a midfielder. McGuire um, and Lindelof had been quite settled at center back by that point, I think. Um, they weren't great, but I mean, United had one of the better defensive records in the league. Uh, but you could tell that that was on the basis of being quite defensive as a team. And the problem was the problems were occurring further ahead. Like, there were a bunch of tactical issues, but Solskjaer needed midfielders. Like, let's not pretend that he didn't. Um, United finally get Sancho, which is great. I think it becomes clear that they have no idea how to use Sancho. Um, United then get Rafael Varane, um, which, not necessary, but it was a relatively low fee considering... The pedigree and the age of the player
1: in the context of a different window, wherein you get, you know, a holding midfielder, maybe another attacker. There's nothing wrong with that Veron move. It's just the fact that it was one of three moves.
0: He was also unveiled on opening day. Like he walked into Old Trafford on opening day with a suit. It was glorious. Um, I'm not even a big fan of Veron as a player, to be honest. But I have no issue with this. Um, and then you have Ronaldo comes in close to deadline. Um, and this is where I think things start to unravel. I mean, other than not signing a midfielder, um, yeah, like just a, I think you recycle a lot of the plans that you had. Um, I thought United were gearing up to run something like Pogba, Fernandez and Sancho or Rashford or Greenwood behind Cavani, like some variation of that. Like, I don't think it's a perfect attack, but I think it's a good attack. I think you're shaping up to get top four again if you get a midfielder. Um, even even with the limitations of Soulshire, like the team that finished fourth was Conte Spurs and they were like five to eight points ahead of United after the disastrous season that they had. So this just feels like a total like throw it out the window bad. Um a lot of people say that like, you know, this was this was throwing apart a rebuild that wasn't good in the first place, and I kind of agree, but I also think it's a lie to suggest that this team was not a lot better than the team that Solskjaer inherited in 2019. Um, I think it was a couple of pieces away from being competitive. And whoever was responsible for these moves just completely tore that apart. And we're seeing this season where I think last summer United made the moves that they should have made in that summer. Um, Not not perfectly, we'll get onto that, but they addressed the positional needs that they had. And the team was pretty competitive.
1: So I... I actually think that the team that Solskjaer inherited was more talented than the team that he left the club with, which I don't think is what you just said. Um, Wait, who,
0: who who left?
1: I mean, if you include the interim spell, yeah. They had Lukaku and... Yeah,
0: I, I do include the interim spell. I mean, spell. it's just Lukaku, really. I mean, Herrera, I guess. No, I don't know if I agree. I mean, they had Pogba, Fernandes, Cavani, and like... Cavani was not really a variable at that point. I guess I, I still think the balance of like I mean they also had Pogba when he joined, but I mean I th- I think yeah Pogba's Pogba, I mean I moved, Pogba really wasn't I mean yeah he brought Shaw
1: back Rashford got better like I mean I so don't there think were he did there a were player job, in, there were player improvements there's no doubt about that but I think you had more I mean you had more attacking there was also Sanchez like you had more attacking talent yeah, that's true. um you had more top end talent. I think is really what it ultimately is, especially I the, think the, the the attacking end of the of the pitch. Um, yeah, I
0: mean either which uh, no matter how you slice this, to only get like to at best only get like a smidge better after like two years and three hundred million spent um,
1: is really worrying. Yeah, and I also think there was a lot less organizational depth. Uh, I think the squad was thinner when Soulstar left than um, when he came in. Which I think was not necessarily. I think it was a symptom of of like having the right idea but the wrong execution of it. Which was, oh, we need to you know thin out the dead wood. But then I think some of the dead wood wasn't actually dead wood. I I think it's a who are you referring to? Like like Smalling, Lukaku, and Herrera. Yeah, I think and Darmian maybe. Yeah, I mean whatever about Darmian, but. Yeah, I think those players on their own, those are huge 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 losses that were never actually replaced. Herrera yeah, was never fair. replaced. Lukaku was never replaced. Um and I think those were two of United's really good players. Um and then yeah, you had improvements. Rashford got a, a lot better. I, I don't even I don't think Martial got better to be honest with you. Um yeah. Shaw, Shaw. definitely had his best seasons. Can't deny that. But then you also had a huge decline. Matic was usable when Solstar came in. He was no longer usable. And that's not Solstar's fault. But again, we're assessing the quality of the team, not how the team was cultivated. Um, I think your right back. The situation got worse by virtue of addition. You had Pereira and McTominay playing massive numbers of minutes. Uh, that first season, that second season, McTominay still playing a lot of minutes. Fred, who... I think is a useful player, but not a particularly good player. Playing massive minutes, Tilis comes in, bad player, plays a lot of minutes. Wamasaka played a lot of minutes. McGuire was not a good player by the time Soulstar left. I I don't think this team got better.
0: That's fair. Okay. I either which way, I think the best scenario you can argue is that the team was like a tiny, tiny bit better. It was roughly the same. And that's really worrying from like three years of tons of transfer expenditure. Um, but I, I do think the underpinning of the like crumble was failing to address that midfield and then signing Ronaldo. Um, that's what really put the nail in the coffin because the midfield could not deal with the issues that were caused up front. Tactically there were already tons of issues and I think they were exposed by this. Um. Yeah, I think you just, you saw the, like, I mean, I think that made the issues with Maguire start to look worse. Like, I think a lot of the players had been playing through injuries and I think they began to show Rashford had that extent. He was out pretty much the whole, like, for whether he was out or in, he was bad the entire season. Um, And it it largely had to do with the situation around his fitness. Um, Yeah. You, this was just turmoil.
1: Yeah, I agree. And and then that takes us ultimately... I, I don't think we actually need to talk about Rangnick. Um, it nope. brings us into last summer, which I think last summer was a really good summer. I think probably the worst incoming was Molossia. And I think Molossia was an upgrade over Tlis. A noteworthy upgrade. Uh, then you've yeah. got...
0: I think Malacia was the worst player to come in, but I don't think he was the worst signing.
1: Who was the worst signing?
0: I mean, I, I think spending 160 million on Anthony and Casemiro is definitely okay.
1: Sub-optimal. Okay, sure. In terms of yeah, in terms of the the value of the deals, but I think they made United a lot better than yeah, they did. Molossia no,
0: that Malacia did. That's fair. Yeah, but I I think. I would reallocate. I would have reallocated yeah. that differently. I would
1: have spent that money differently. I totally agree. Um, I think, think Erickson and Hassan are fantastic signings. Oh yeah, Caicedo. You get Caicedo instead of instead of Casemiro. Um, I think you get. I mean, that hundred million on Anthony, you can spend it a million, a million different ways. You probably could have gotten a Simmon last summer for something like a hundred million. Um, that would have been good. Uh, I think that would have made. Them, <laughs> I think that would have made a much bigger difference than Anthony did. Uh, but ultimately, yeah. I think this is okay. Like this, I, is, I think. I think in terms of the players that came in, these are all really good players. Which, if United have, that's this the first window, time United have done that in five years.
0: Yeah, if United have this window, like the next eight years, I don't think they'll ever be one of the best. Like, I don't think they'll ever challenge City or, or at least current City. But I think they'll be in the top. Four or thereabouts pretty consistently. If they just address needs um, with good players
1: and most young. Like I if think if you have this good. window in terms of getting the quality of players that you need at the positions that you need every window for the next eight years, you would win a title just by pure happenstance. You would, you would stumble into one. Um, but the thing That's is fair. with the same quality of coaching. I agree. Yeah. But I think it, the money is not there to make to be as inefficient as United were. Um, and I also don't trust them to consistently recruit in this volume. I, I, like, I don't think five first-teamers come in every summer for the next eight years. I don't even think five first-teamers come in this summer. And I'll be surprised if five first-teamers of this qu- quality come in this summer, especially. Yeah,
0: I think you get four. I I mean, I think you got four. Like, I don't think Molossi is a first-teamer, but...
1: I think I mean I I mean first teamers like Man United's first team. I
0: think it I think it's achievable to get five then. I think they should be getting five.
1: I think they should be. I don't. I don't, if we get five players, all of whom are you know fifteen hundred plus minute contributors next season this summer, I will be surprised. The team will be very good too. Yeah. Um. The the one funny
0: thing about the summer is the consequence of the last two ten years, which was lingard matic pogba cavani and mata all leaving for free lingard could have been sold for like probably 15 to 30 million the summer probably like 30 million but they just decided to keep him instead of letting him go and then didn't play him at all (laughs) and then he walked and not only that but he walked and went to a team that was worse for him than the team that would have gotten him so we basically just ruined him and also ruined the prospect of getting a fee for him um, to be like the ninth choice attacker in that bloated third season Solskjaer team. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just so bad. Um, it, the, the whole Dean Henderson situation as well, like could have sold him after that loan at Sheffield United decided to keep him just like totally ruined his like three years of his career. And then now he's in turmoil again as well. Uh, there are rumors Forrest are going to pay 30 million for him.
1: I wouldn't even be surprised because it's Forrest, but like, seriously? Yeah, that's just another Dan James situation where you're getting bailed out by a team that's behaving desperately. But if you
0: take that money and you give De Gea a new contract, instead of signing a goalkeeper you get worse for selling him. You literally, you are literally getting worse. You are selling the good goalkeeper and signing on the worst goalkeeper, which like, again, I'm not like a big Dean Henderson fan. I think letting De Gea go, selling Dean Henderson and signing a good goalkeeper is how good teams are run. I think letting De Gea go and keeping Dean Henderson are it is like, okay. I think like keeping De Gea Selling Dean Henderson and not signing a goalkeeper is insane. So, we'll see how that goes.
1: But anyway, I think that basically concludes our our review of the last decade of of United transfers. And this has been a really long episode. Uh, even if I cut this down, it's going to be uh, a, a gargantuan <laughs> recording. Session. I think it's interesting though, like especially the the first
0: half or so when I think we unlocked some players who were actually better than we thought, um, when they were at United. Um, I, I mean, I think we should boil this down to a few takeaways and then, and then wrap up in the next five minutes. And I mean, I think the main things are, you know, sometimes United signed bad players. Um, sometimes they actually signed good players, but those players just didn't really address the needs, um, that the team had. Um, Another situation is United signed good players, but paid too much and didn't have enough money to address the needs that they had. Um, another thing I would say that's really key here is a lot of these failings, I think stem back to either the manager, um, and what the manager was trying to do or the vision, the manager had, or some level of conflict between what the manager wanted to do and what the board wanted to do, um, which speaks to organizational dysfunction. Um, And I think the current model right now is a bit over-reliant on Ten Hag. um, But I still think that that is a better run scenario than the other ones, um, which either were not... um, The manager was not looped in enough on the transfer activity at all, or um, the manager had incorrect ideas of how to build a team that won games. Now I think the manager is involved and has good ideas about how to win games, but I just it seems like the structure does not support him well enough. Um which going into new ownership and going into the next few windows is the thing I would like to see. Like more signings that fit the team but aren't explicitly um obvious signings that Ten Hag specifically would make. Yeah. I think that's a good place to leave it off.
1: Yeah, I I, I agree with all those take yeah, I agree with all those takeaways. Um I'm doubtful that we see good signings that are not recommended by management. But I look forward to being wrong, and I think we'll call that an episode. Awesome. Thanks
0: for listening. A reminder, next week we will have our season review. We're hoping to have a very cool guest for you guys. And yeah, so don't miss that. Um, and stay tuned, and hopefully you enjoyed this.
1: I feel like we've been wanting to do this for a while, so yeah, all right. have a good week, everyone. See you next Monday. Hope you enjoyed this week's Devil's in the
0: Details. You can follow us at devil's itd pod on Twitter or on a variety of streaming platforms. Our awesome theme music was made by Jacob Connor. You can find at Jacob J. Connor on Twitter.